us. Um, he is no stranger to St. John's. Um, just a quick uh, intro that's almost not needed, uh, but just kind of give you an idea of what's going on in their lives right now. Uh, Kelly and the kids will be returning to Uganda on the 29th of July, and uh, Josh still has a couple of weeks left at Wesley Seminary, uh, where he's in a program right now that he'll be totally finished with next summer, if I got that right. Um, and so we are grateful to have uh, Josh here with us to speak this morning. So let's give a warm St. John's welcome to Josh Hallahan. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be with you and to worship with you this morning. Uh, I do send you greetings from Kelly and the kids. They're sorry they couldn't be at this service. Um, my oldest son, Caleb, was with Jack at Delanco uh, all last week. And when we left this morning, Caleb was very much still sleeping. Um, and I think he would have been very angry had I pulled him out of bed. So they will join us later on for the second service this morning. I just want to say thank you so much to St. John's, um, not just for your partnership in Uganda, though it means so much to us, for your prayer, your financial support, uh, but just for your partnership with God in the kingdom. Uh, this is a church that we are proud to partner with in what God is doing around the world. Uh, and I do want to say thank you so much because you're playing a part in my life in, on a very personal level uh, in, in helping with the, my seminary program that I'm a part of. And I, I could stand up here and, and tell you so much of how God has used that in my life. Um, and I know that he's using that to prepare me for something. I don't quite know what that is. Uh, and so I'm trusting him in that. But I just want to thank you so much. It means so much to me. Uh, this church is standing with our family in such strong ways. Um, and I just can't thank you enough. So thank you, St. John's, uh, for that. Uh, I'm very excited this morning because I brought a visitor with me. And I hope that's okay. Uh, when I arrived in Uganda in 2011 for the first time, uh, uh, I met another Joshua. Um, he was a student at Kampala International University, uh, and there was, he was part of a ministry that we, as World Gospel Mission, were partnering with. Uh, I also then I started a small group, a, a men's discipleship group that Joshua was a part of, and so I got to kind of journey with Joshua for a while. Joshua has since graduated and is now working. Uh, he has a one-year internship with a program down in Washington D.C. Uh, and so uh, we were very excited to reconnect on this side of the ocean, and we asked if he was able to come and uh, just spend some time with our family. Now, when you're in Uganda and you bring a visitor into the church, you must allow the visitor to greet the church. So I hope it's okay if we do that here. Is that okay? So I'm going to ask Joshua just to come up and greet you. Good morning. My name is Joshua Eyaro, and uh, I'm so happy this morning to be standing here with Pastor Josh. And sometimes when you hear about missionaries going to Africa, you might think it's a fancy thing to be doing missions in Africa. It's really not. They're always faced with a lot of challenges. And sometimes to be able to go through uh, mission work all these years, it takes humility and being obedient to God. And that's one thing that Pastor Josh and family have been able to do well in Uganda. 
him opening his house to us to come and be discipled and always learn about God. It's one thing that I've always thanked God because I was able to grow in his house when it came to that part of my life. It's, it's an area where he opened spaces for us, like we're able to be vulnerable and talk about the challenges we go through as men, and that helped us to grow. And one key highlight that makes me love Pastor Josh so much, not only does he speak the word of God, but like it goes beyond just speaking. Because when I was still in college, I was too sick, and everyone came and wished me well, prayed for me, and like, you'll be fine. And Pastor Josh approached me later on, and he's like, have you seen the doctor? And I'm like, not yet. And I'm not sure if he remembers, but for me who was sick, he actually gave me money, like, Josh, I want you to go and see a doctor. He prayed, but said, go and see a doctor. And that, to me, spoke more than even the gospel that he used to speak. Like that to me, I saw somebody living the, the gospel itself, and that's why I felt like I could have a friend in him. Thank you so much, Pastor Gios. May God bless your ministry. Thank you. I didn't know he was going to say that. <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Um, I could uh, tell you a lot. This, this is a good man, and this is a man who... Uh, wants to be a part of God's kingdom and building God's kingdom. Uh, Joshua loves technology. That's his passion. Uh, and he has a lot of dreams and plans of using that passion for God's kingdom uh, and for his people uh, back in Uganda, which I think is awesome. Uh, and so I would, I would ask, uh, we share the same name. So when you think of our family, uh, just pray for the other Joshua as well and that God would keep directing his steps and using him in great ways. This morning, I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter 28. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there um, or you just uh, listen along. It's Matthew 28, and we're going to start at verse 16. You may not be surprised that the missionary is coming and reading the Great Commission, right? Uh, that's kind of a no-brainer, I think. But uh, God has really been, God has always given Kelly and I a passion for discipleship. It's very clear in Scripture, as we're just about to read, that we are called to make disciples. And so that has always been a passion for us. And really, in the last couple of years, God is just building on that passion and making it stronger and stronger. It's through our time in Uganda and being a part of uh, uh, people like Joshua, uh, through the seminary program that I'm a part of. Uh, we firmly believe, more than ever, that God is, has called us to make disciples. And so I just want to share uh, a few words with you. And actually, I'm going to pause because I forgot something. The late, my friend back at the computer is probably wondering what we're doing with these slides. Um, let me give you, before we read the scripture, uh, a brief, more up-to-date update of what's happening. If you can turn to the next slide. Uh, back one more. There we go. Uh, we serve day-to-day uh, -day as the chaplains at Heritage International School. Kelly and I share the job together. We get to work side by side, which is really awesome, and we love that. Uh, we're the chaplains. are kind of like the campus pastor of the school. Uh, as a reminder, Heritage is a Christian international school in Kampala. We have 400 students who come from, what, sorry, you have 400 students, over 100 staff members. When you add all of them together, 
we have well over 30 different nationalities represented at our school. Uh, and, and so God is bringing the nations to us, and it's our prayer that forever, for however long we get with them, we can disciple them, point them to Jesus, love on them, journey with them, and then send them back out. The, our school, just the setting of the school, a lot of turnover. People are always going back home to their country or going on to another country, and it's our prayer that we can send them from heritage as missionaries for God out into the kingdom. And so uh, you just see a couple of pictures. We do a lot of youth. We focus obviously a lot on the students and the youth. Uh, we do youth ministry types of things. Um, there in the middle is a staff member, uh, Rose, with, there with Kelly. And we do, we do some Bible studies and some things with our staff. Uh, we do some service projects out in the community as well. And so we just love that job, and we love what God is doing through Heritage. And so you are partnering with Heritage, and we're grateful for that. Uh, if you look at our next slide, God, as I've shared a little bit, God is working in our hearts as well. And what these pictures depict, I love this slide because... Uh, I have had the privilege of baptizing three of my family members over these last two years. Uh, every year at Heritage, we offer baptism at our Easter chapel. And so uh, two years ago, Seth, uh, or sorry, Caleb, uh, made the decision to be baptized. And then just this last school year, Seth made the decision to be baptized. And then while we were on retreat with our WGM staff, uh, for months, God has really been working in my wife's heart, in Kelly's heart, and continuing just to transform her and to grow her. And though Kelly was baptized as an infant, she woke up one morning and she said to me, I need to be baptized. Uh, God has just been doing such a work on her heart, and he called her to do that, and she wanted to be obedient. Now, I'm a very... Uh, uh, I'm a planner. I'm a logical thinker. I'm a planner. I have things in order. And it's our last day of retreat, and we're leaving very early in the morning to fly out. And so when my wife wakes me up in the morning and says, I want to be baptized, that was not on my agenda for that morning. <laughs> but when your wife tells you anything, you need to, but definitely when she says that. Uh, so uh, that middle picture is Kelly being baptized in the Indian Ocean, uh, which was really, really exciting. And if you see her, she would love to tell you more of that story. Uh, if you do one more slide. Uh, we've also, and I'll talk about this in the sermon a bit, uh, we started a home fellowship at our house. Uh, because of our passion uh, for discipleship and making disciples, uh, God has called us to do this, and we have a group of at least a dozen, uh, a few more who are joining us from a wide range uh, of uh, Kampala, different areas that are coming to join us for a time of fellowship and to encourage each other to go and make disciples uh, out in our areas of influence. I'll talk about that more in detail in, in a couple minutes. And then the last slide, just want to continue to remind you uh, and to encourage you, if God is calling you to, to continue your involvement in what he's doing in Uganda, there's many ways for you to stay connected with us. We're on Facebook. You can be emailing us. Uh, we send out email updates. Uh, the link is there for financial support. Uh, if you as a family or an individual want to be involved in that way, uh, and so uh, come talk to us if you need more information after the service. I would love to um, give you that information. Okay. Let's read the word together. Matthew 28, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, 
but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So if you've spent any time in the church, you have probably heard the Great Commission. However, I heard a very interesting statistic the other day. I don't know how you feel about statistics. Uh, This came out of the George Barna Group, so I think it's a pretty reputable uh, one. But apparently in our American churches today, 51% of our church-going Americans do not know what the Great Commission is. 51%. So you can turn to your neighbor and say, is it you? Is it you? It's not me, right? Um, I find that interesting and a bit overwhelming because I firmly believe that, you know, these are Jesus' last words to his disciples. After all that he taught them, this is what he left them with. And I believe the Great Commission is, is a lot like a foundation for our faith or a springboard. It's, it, it, it's, it's our call to action to, okay, I taught you all these things, now go and use it, right? And I find it interesting as well that Matthew is clear to tell us that as the disciples came to meet Jesus there on that mountain, it says they saw him coming and they worshiped him, but what? But some doubted. And it didn't say, and Thomas doubted. Right? We always blame Thomas. Thomas is the doubter. Right? And some doubted. There was a, a few of them who still were not sure that Jesus, I don't know if Jesus was the Messiah, if all that he said was true, if him leaving was a good idea. They were just very unsure. They had questions. Have any of you come in here today with questions and doubts? I think it's okay if we do. Because Jesus didn't say, okay, those who are not sure yet, you wait here. The rest of you, I'm going to commission you to go out. He commissioned all of them to go. Now, they had faith, yes. But they didn't have it all figured out. And that was okay. And Jesus still commissioned them and sent them out. And obviously, we know that their faith became very solid, right? Because of those 12, the one who replaced Judas of the 12 we're pretty sure that all but one of them died for their faith. And so they firmly believed uh, what, what Jesus had called them to do. But I just want to start by encouraging you that if you have questions still, and I have questions, it's okay. God can still use you. He wants to still use you. And, he wants you, and he'll give you the answers in his time, and we can trust him in that. But he has sent us out. I just want to give you three reasons why I think the Great Commission is great. As any good preacher would do, it's just a three-point sermon. Um, So number one, I believe the Great Commission is great because it comes from Jesus. He says, all authority has been given to me, right? This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. And they have just walked with him for three years, watched him do amazing things, watched him love on the unlovable, Watched him bring sight to the blind. Watched him uh, talk to the woman at the well. 
and on, and the list goes on and on, watched him die on the cross for their sins, and then saw him again three days later, defeating death and defeating sin. And so he has the right to say, all authority has been given to me. And so I think the Great Commission is great because it comes from a place of authority. And again, no one is excused. He didn't put any of them aside and say, you're not ready. You need to take a few more years of Sunday school before I can send you out. Right? No one is without excuse. He didn't say, all you who are extroverts and are willing to go talk to people, go out. Right? All of you. He commissioned to go out. So if we claim to follow Jesus, and yes, it's okay if we still have some questions and maybe some doubts, but if we claim to follow Jesus, I believe that it is expected that we are playing a part in the Great Commission, that we are going out to make disciples of all nations. So the Great Commission is great because it comes from him. It comes from a place of authority. The Great Commission is also great because it lays, I believe it lays out a beautiful strategy. Now, the church overall, and I've seen this here in America and I've seen this in Uganda as well, is we have separated evangelism and discipleship, right? And we've created programs that become very program-driven, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think we need to bring evangelism and discipleship back together. You know, uh, and I don't say this in a negative way, but when I met Joshua and the, and the university ministry, you, you all had days of evangelism, right? On Saturday, they would go out and they would visit the, the hostels or the dorm rooms of the students, and they would go for evangelism, right? And that's good, and we should go out and visit and, and tell people about Jesus. The danger comes is when we treat it like a checklist, right? All right. I did my duty. I went out for evangelism. And then on, on Tuesday night, I'm going to gather at Pastor Josh's house and I'm going to do my discipleship, right? Check it off, right? But what if we can bring them together and we can evangelize people and tell them the story. We just sang it. Uh, we tell them the story of Jesus. We invite them to join us for those lesson time, the program times of discipleship to grow with us. We engage with them on the questions that they have and that we have, and we seek the answers together. That's evangelism and discipleship beautifully put together, and I, I believe we should get back to that if, if we have walked away. We have made, it very, uh, made discipleship very knowledge-based, and I think it needs to get back to a bit more experiential. I was thinking recently, I like to do things with my hands. I'm not a very good uh, carpenter. Uh, my father, though, uh, all growing up, had his own construction business. And I was, as I was preparing the sermon, I was thinking, you know, why do I love to do these things? Why do, when Kelly wants something fixed around the house, I'm like, hey, I can do that. And I get excited, and, and I make time to, to go do that. It's not because I read a book. It's not because I went to a class. It's because I followed my father around. And my father invited me on my days off from school or during summer holiday, he invited me to come work with him. And I got to learn from following him around. 
I got to learn from making mistakes and, and bending that nail 25 times as I'm trying to hammer it into the board, right? And he would patiently, and sometimes not so patiently, say, here, try again, right? That's it, church. Let people follow you around. And you don't have to be perfect, but let them experience your faith as we go out to make disciples. I do have a little quiz for you. In the Great Commission, what is the main verb of the Great Commission? We immediately go to the word go, right? And actually, this is when English does a disservice to the Greek. And I'm not a Greek scholar by any means. But the actual, the main verb of the Great Commission is make disciples. Everything else is a participle. And if you're sitting there saying, what's a participle? We're in the same boat. It has something to do with helping the main verb. That's all I know. Go is, is, is you make disciples and you go to do it. But make disciples is, is, is the core. It's the main action of the Great Commission. Okay? So one way that you could translate this, uh, maybe, maybe a better way, I'm no Bible translator, uh, as you are going, make disciples. So as you're going to work tomorrow morning, make disciples. As you're engaging with your family members and your grandkids and your children and your brothers and sisters, make disciples. As you are engaging with your neighbor on the other side of the fence, make disciples. As you're engaging with the lady at Wawa that you see every morning, make disciples. It's really that simple. And yes, some are called to go out to the nations. But I firmly believe that the majority are called right here, to your home area, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your family members. And as you're going, make disciples. And so he lays out this beautiful strategy. As you're going, make disciples. And so the, question, the next question is, well, how do I do that? And he says, baptize and teach them. And again, I don't necessarily think that Jesus put them in sequential order. Sometimes your wife wakes you up to be baptized when she's 38 years old, right? And that's okay. Sometimes, and I was baptized as an infant, and so far, God has not asked me to be baptized again. And that's okay. So sometimes we will uh, be discipling someone, and they'll pray that prayer. Sometimes they won't and yet they'll still have faith, and that's okay, right? But we do, baptism is important, and I'm not trying to say that it's not important. The early church did it. I believe we should carry it on today, for sure. But again, maybe the order is not necessarily important. We think, well, I need to convince you of what I'm saying is right. I need you to pray this prayer, then I'll baptize you, and then, I'll, then you can start going through some teaching of Sunday school or discipleship classes or whatever. And if that's the order that it follows, praise God. But let, let's allow the creativity of the Holy Spirit as we work with our neighbors and, and make disciples of these people around us. And also, let's not forget that he calls us to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Who here has learned how to obey everything he has commanded us? And it's easy. No hands? Right, it's hard. 
But we're, tr- we're trying, and the Holy Spirit is helping us. And I believe that he can help us, and, and we can overcome obstacles and, and, and obey him in fullness. I firmly believe that. But it's going to take a lifetime of, of growing in our faith. But again, let's invite people to join us in that journey as we teach them to obey. And you know it, it's getting really, really hard in our culture here. We're getting some really difficult scenarios that we have to deal with as a church. How do we teach to obey in this scenario? It's hard, it's difficult, but we can't shy away from it. We can't. Because when we shy away from it, obedience to Jesus won't happen. They won't learn. They won't learn. And so let's teach to obey. Let's live it out and invite people to join us in that. And so the strategy has been laid out. The strategy has been laid out. As you are going, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey. And again, I believe it's very experiential. Let people just join you on the journey and then let the Holy Spirit do the hard work in their heart. So the Great Commission is great because it comes from a place of authority. The Great Commission is great because he does give us the how. He lays out a strategy for us. And number three, the Great Commission is great because we're not in this alone. We're here today to worship God. And I think one of the benefits of of gathering like this is also that you can encourage your neighbor. Say, hey, how's it going? Your neighbor, the one sitting next to you. How's it going as you're trying to fulfill the Great Commission? How can I be praying for you this week? Right? Do you have any questions? I don't maybe have all the answers, but maybe I can give you a unique perspective. You know? Let's encourage each other as we go out to fulfill the Great Commission. As I shared, we uh, started a a fellowship group at our house. And uh, if you don't mind, could you go back to that slide? I want to point out a person to you. Uh, I met uh, a, friend of, a new friend of mine. His name is Brian. He's there on the top left corner with his wife, Catherine. Uh, Brian became a friend for two reasons. Number one, I had a leaky roof at my house. And I had three different people come out to fix it. And it kept leaking. Uh, it was right above our bedroom. Kelly and I got kicked out of our bedroom uh, because it was beginning to destroy the ceiling as well. And I was beyond frustrated I just was trying to convince WGM to tear the house down and let's start over because we couldn't fix this leaky roof. And someone gave me Brian's number. They said, you need, you need Brian to come. And I was a bit reluctant, right, because I've already tried three times. But Brian came, and Brian fixed my roof, and I gave him a big hug. Um, but I discovered that Brian loves Jesus. I discovered that uh, Brian wants to use his passion for construction to make disciples, to build the kingdom of God. And so Brian has two goals. Number one, he wants to have the best construction business in all of Kampala, Uganda. Number two, he wants to bring young kids, young boys off the street who aren't doing anything, teach them a trade, teach them how to run business, send them out. But while he's teaching them, he wants to make disciples of Jesus while he's doing it. And I just love that. Because he's using his passion of construction. You know what Brian loves to talk about? Cement. You weren't expecting that word to come out of my mouth. Brian says he loves to talk to people about cement. 
I don't want to really talk about cement. <laughs> but that's his passion. That's what gets him excited. That's what gets him up in the morning. And so he's using that passion to build the kingdom of God. And I say, right on. That's what we all should be doing. Use those things you're passionate about and use it for God's kingdom. It's possible. It's very, very possible. And so Brian and his wife and some others have joined us for this fellowship. And we meet once a week on a Thursday evening. Uh, We just enjoy some food together. We enjoy um, reconnecting with one another. We usually read some scripture or watch a video that will kind of give us some discussion points. And we talk together and pray together. And then we try and just send each other back out into fulfilling the Great Commission. And we also, as a, it's a way of accountability as well. You know, for them, if Brian says, you know what, I, this young man I'm trying to reach, when he comes back the next week, we know, he knows we're going to ask how it's been going. Not in a judgment way, but just to encourage him and say, hey, how's it going? You know, how can we be praying uh, in this situation? And so... Uh, we're not alone. We have each other, but most importantly, what does Jesus say in the book of Acts? First, he tells us to wait, right? He, in the book of Acts, he, he tells the disciples, I'm going to send you out to all nations. He says, but wait. I'm going to give you a helper, right? And so the disciples, they go back. They basically go into hiding. They're terrified. Jesus has just left them. They've got this big commission now to go but they're, on, uh, they're in a holding pattern. We all love when we're in a holding pattern on an airplane. Uh, he says, just wait. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost comes upon them. And what happens, right? They go bursting out of that room. Nothing can hold them back. And that's where we see the power. That's where they, we see that they're unashamed. And they begin proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone that they meet. And most of them eventually give their lives for it, right? And so you're not in this alone. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I'm doing a terrible job at the Great Commission, there's grace for that. And he wants to empower you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to send you out with boldness. I had a lady come to me after a service a couple weeks ago, and she said, but I'm an introvert. I'm an extreme introvert, right? People terrify me, right? And God knows that. He's the one who wired you that way. And so he can give you the boldness and the courage to talk to that one person. And if you're obedient, that's all he wants. And then he'll give you the next person and the next person. Let's just be obedient to the ones that Jesus has given us to, to the call that he's given us uh, to reach these people. So we're not in this alone. We have each other, and most importantly, we have the Holy Spirit giving us the power. So again, I want to encourage you. I believe that as Christians, we must be actively involved in the Great Commission. This is for us today. And now this is a bold statement, but I do believe this. If we are not involved in the Great Commission, we're working against God's plan for redemption. Now that's big, I know. But it's, it's one or the other. Are we going to go forward and do what he's called us to do, or are we not? And maybe our prayer this morning has to be, God, can you help make me willing to go forward? Let him change your heart. And I believe he will, if you want him to. And then watch how he uses you in a great way. So church, there's no plan B. 
This is God's plan for redemption the world over. St. John's, I believe you're doing a phenomenal job from the things I hear and see that this church is doing. And I just want to encourage you as individuals, as families, keep saying yes to him. He may not call you to join us in Uganda, and that's okay. If he does, you better come. <laughs> but he'll probably call you to make a disciple of your neighbor or your coworker, your grandchildren, whoever it may be. Please say yes to him. Please say yes to him. Ask him for the help. He will give it to you. And watch as his kingdom spreads, continues to spread in our communities. We love you, church. We're grateful for you. We're praying for you. And we're grateful to be standing in ministry side by side. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you for, uh, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you that you came for sinners as us and redeemed us, made us new, made us a new creation, made us holy. And God, you have called us out. Lord, may we walk forward in obedience. May we walk forward uh, looking for who those people are that you've placed in our lives to make a disciple of. We can't force them, but we can obey you. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in people's lives and transforms hearts. Lord, we have a lot of tough situations out there. But this is the answer. Your church is the answer. And so, God, use us, we pray. Give us boldness, give us courage, give us a willingness to say yes to you, no matter what it may be. And we do this all for your glory and your honor. We pray in your name. Amen.